Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another amazing Tuesday Timely Torah Talk featuring this week a very special guest, a very dear friend of ours, Rabbi Moshe Bamberger Shlita. Rabbi Bamberger, welcome to the show. Shalom Aleichem, how are you doing? Shalom, Rabbi Aniv. Thank you so much for having me. It's a big pleasure. Ah, Rabbi Moshe Bamberger, for all those that might not be aware, is the renowned Mashgiach over here in Queens at uh, Lander College for Men. Now that I mentioned Queens, we should have done this in person, but uh, I guess we're already on Zoom. But uh, Rabbi Bamberger, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. And Rabbi Bamberger is also a renowned lecturer and author of many publications, uh, Baruch Hashem, through Artscroll, uh, amazing books. Uh, I actually had a, a schos, a merit to uh, uh, read a few of them and, and uh, really inspiring. And I encourage everyone to uh, take a look at it. So without further ado, Rabbi Bamberger, today's topic will be uh, the 48 ways to acquire the Torah, which we all know we're in the middle of Sefirat Omer. And Ravaran Cutler, the, the famed Rosh Yeshiva and founder of the Lakewood Yeshiva and the Lakewood community, uh, has uh, prepared uh, the, the 48 ways to acquire the Torah. And we're going to go through five of them. We picked and choose five random uh, 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 Kenyanim ways to acquire the Torah. And uh, with your permission, we're going to jump straight into it. You ready, Rabbi Bamberger? I think I am, yes. Okay, Givadi, amazing. So, so the first one we chose is to love a rebuke. And throughout the week, people give us constructive criticism in order to become better people and to acquire Torah and wisdom, we need to love rebuke. So uh, number one is, how does one break his nature? You know, by nature, you know, people don't feel comfortable or like when someone tells them what to do or something's wrong with them. And how do we apply this to life? And number two, can you please maybe give us a personal example or an example that you have heard of that illustrates this point? Sure. Thank you so much. Um just as a little bit of a background about the 48 Kenyanim of the Torah, it's really the last parak of Pirkei Abbas lists all of these 48 Kenyanim. And as you correctly pointed out, Rav Aaron Kotler says that these are ways of really preparing for Shavuot. In fact, there are people that every day between Pesach and Shavuot, they learn and study and try to really analyze one of these 48 ways uh, in order to prepare for Matan Torah, the receiving of the Torah on Shavuos. And it's interesting that there are 48 ways to acquire the Torah, and there are 49 days uh, between. And it would have been much better if there would be 49 ways to acquire it. The 48 really throws it off a little bit. But I got confused Bal- myself. I'm like, 48, yeah. 49, yeah. Yeah. So the Bali Musar say, and you, you might think it's a little bit of a cop-out, but this is what they say, that... Every day you're supposed to work on one of these kinyanim, and the last day before Shavuot, you're supposed to chazer, you're supposed to review all the 48 in order to make sure that you really have it, and then you're going to be ready for Mantara. Beautiful. There's another interesting point that I just want to make about these 48 kinyanim of the Torah, and that is that the first of the 48 kinyanim, which is not something that we're going to, I guess, be discussing tonight, but the very first Kenyan is Betalmud, which means that you have to learn. So that means that it's very nice to have all of the other elements of acquiring Torah, like you said about loving rebuke, and then there's being happy, and we'll get to a few of them this evening. But as far as the most elementary thing that a person has to do if they want to acquire the Torah is you have to sit and learn. There's really no shortcut to that. You could do all the skulot, you could go to all the rebbes and give tzedakah, and, but if you're not sitting and learning, then you're not going to be a Tamil Chacham. That's a, that's a very basic 
uh, foundational principle I think we could all agree on. And so it's very important as we're preparing, as we're gearing up for Matan Torah, that the, the greatest of all of the Kinyanim of Torah is sitting and learning or, and, or going to a shir or, uh, of course, all of Chazak's wonderful shirim and all the shirim that are available in the community and online uh, and beyond, uh, the more that we could actually sit and learn and, and really just um, escape into the world of Torah, that's the greatest preparation for Matan Torah, for the giving of the Torah. This Kenyan of Oheve Satochachot loving rebuke is probably one of the hardest things that we could do um, because nobody likes to be criticized. Nobody likes to be criticized. I'm, you know, probably the worst receiver of criticism. I, everyone that knows me knows not, uh, you know, if they criticize me, that's not a good thing. It's something that we, uh, we don't like doing. Nobody likes being told what they're doing right or what they're doing wrong. In fact, the Chazan Ish says that really the mitzvah of tochacha, the mitzvah of giving rebuke, doesn't apply anymore today because we lost the art of being able to, A, give rebuke in the way it's supposed to be given, and also the art of receiving rebuke, which is even a bigger trick to how to, you know, how to accept somebody criticizing us. It's very difficult. We don't like being told what to do. And, and it's not easy for somebody to give rebuke, but it's really difficult for somebody to receive rebuke. But at the end of the day, people uh, that are open to receiving criticism and rebuke are the people that really better themselves. They grow from it and they're willing to change. And that's really what a human being should be doing is that we're trying to figure out ways to better ourselves and specifically before we receive the Torah we have to create ourselves into better people and what better way than to listening to other people tell us that you know you're a great person but you could be even greater if you do x y or z um you know i when i was first uh beginning my rabbinical career so I spoke in a certain shul. I remember it was like one of my first big gigs, if you will, uh, talking to a community in Brooklyn. And it was Shalashudis. Uh, the, the rub, who was a very prominent rub, asked me, and I was, I was pretty young at the time. I think I was in my late 20s. And he asked me to, to address the crowd. He wasn't going to be there, that Shalashudis. And I gave, a, I prepared a lot for it. And I gave a really, what I thought was like really an excellent speech. And everybody was giving me afterwards a big Eshekayach, great job, amazing, you know, come back again, we love you. I happened to have had a, a friend in the audience, and he called me over after the speech was over, and he says, listen, you know, Ramesha, you did an amazing job, no question about it, everybody loved it. But let me tell you something, you were doing something during the speech that was a little bit, it was bothersome to me. You, you kept on like repeating a certain phrase as you were going on, I think it was, uh, I think I was saying, you know, or, uh, or right. It's something that speakers sometimes make that mistake of doing, at least when they're uh, in their earlier stages of their, their speaking career, you just keep on saying, right, 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 or, you know, you know, you know, and it's, uh, it's annoying, but I didn't even notice that I was doing it. I just thought it was just a regular uh, speech that I was given and giving, and I didn't think that there was anything to it, but he said that to me. And he said, you know, it was great, but I'm just trying to give you some constructive criticism. And at first it stung me, you know, that he would even dare say that. And he was probably just jealous of me. You know, you make all these <laughs> touch but, 
he was like really the only friend that I had in the room because everybody was just slapping me on the back. And it was people that gave me the constructive criticism, even though you don't like it and it burns and it stings and doesn't feel very good. But from that, I really worked on trying to, uh, to, to wean away all of those things that you, you sort of say to fill space. And uh, it made me, I think, a much better speaker. And uh, that's how loving Teichacha, if you really want to grow, you'll love receiving criticism because you understand that without that, you're never going to perfect yourself. Wow. Wow. What an amazing, uh, inspiring uh, uh, message, Rabbi. Uh, right? Right? No, no, just... <laughs> Uh, all kidding aside, Rabbi, really, really inspiring. And and, and I agree, uh, many times we organize events and programs. Uh, one of the things we do is we we huddle together, the staff, and uh, we don't ask, oh, how was it? Like everyone starts saying, oh, it was amazing, it was good. We make sure to ask, please give us constructive criticism. We want to know what went wrong so we could do better. And mm-hmm. we see that as an atlach, as a successful method. Uh, for the growth of anything, especially for individuals to look for constructive criticism and to love to chacha, like the rabbi mentioned beautifully. Um, jumping on to the next one, next, um, um, uh, what's the word again? Kinyan. How do you say that in English? Rabbi, help me out. My English is not so good. Acquisition. Oh, okay. Maybe my Hebrew is better. <laughs> but uh, we're going to jump into Samech Bechelko, Rabbi. Happy with your lot. We know that in society, there's constant chase after money. Um, so how do we overcome this chase after money? Yes, mayor, it's every time when one has 100, he wants 200, uh, so that we can be happy with what our lot, so we, we make f- free our mind and, and make time uh, to, to be able to focus and, and learn more to us. Uh, and just to add to it, sameach, uh, uh, if you break it up, is shamoach, it's your mind. So, so it's important that... Uh, we 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 uh we have our mind straight and uh we'll be happy with our lot. So we'd like to hear Rabbi's opinion, Rabbi Bamberger should again. This is uh perhaps the hardest uh Mida for us to acquire, um, because it really it's really uh focusing on jealousy. Kinah is uh is the Mida of jealousy, and jealousy is what really robs us of all of all happiness. If imagine if we would uh, not be looking at other people and not comparing ourselves constantly uh, to other people's positions, other people's wealth, other people's uh, toys that they have, whatever. If we would just be able to look internally and to really appreciate who we are, what Hashem gave us, how blessed we are, then we would be the happiest people in the world. I think we can all agree if we would be living on a desert island and we'd have clothing and food and we wouldn't have to see anybody else, we would be thrilled. The problem is that Hashem put us together with a community, which is a beautiful thing. Um, But at the same time, that creates uh, a lot of problems for people because they see constantly uh, the new cars that our neighbors are, are are buying and the vacations that they're going on and uh, and social media really lit a fire to this. If there was a problem of Kina before Facebook came around, before WhatsApp, before uh, Instagram, then it was basically put on steroids with the advent of social media and social media is the, I think it's the really the worst thing that we could really uh, take into our lives because it seems entertaining and it seems like innocent, uh, an innocent way of spending uh, time, 
but it really subconsciously creates a lot of jealousy and a lot of ill will towards other people. And imagine, you know, you're happy with what you're doing and everything is great. And all of a sudden you're looking at, at your friend's Facebook and you're seeing them, I don't know, they went on a cruise, they went on a yacht, they went on a, a big vacation or they're going to Eretz they're making a simcha. And whatever you thought you had suddenly feels very uh, low and very, very empty relative to other people. Now, you don't know what that person really is going through. We think that, oh, he's, he has such a nice picture on that yacht that everything must be perfect. And we don't know all of the problems that those people are having, but we assume that everything is perfect by them, but that's so not the truth. So Samech Bechalka is a very difficult thing because it really almost jive, it almost clashes with the way we're wired. We're wired looking at other people, uh, being jealous of other people, wishing that we had other things that other people have. And so being Samech B'chalka means that I have to stop looking at other things and other people and just being happy internally by what I have and what Hashem gave me. So there is the last of the Aseris Hadibras is Losachmed. Losachmed means do not be jealous of your friend. And then, and the Pasuk goes very specifically into saying what you shouldn't be jealous of. It says you shouldn't be jealous of your friend's wife, of your friend's house, of your friend's animals. And then after going through all these many different things, it says you shouldn't be jealous of anything that your friend has, don't be jealous of. And the commentators are bothered. Like we already, you know, you didn't leave much to the imagination. He said already the car and the house and the and the wife and the and the dog and you got everything. What else is there? What does it mean that everything that your friend has you should not be jealous of? So the Satma Rebbe, Satma Rebbe gives a beautiful, beautiful pshat. It's I think it's a life changing pshat. He says means that if you want to be jealous of your friend, first you have to be willing to take you have to be willing to look at his entire package. Do you want everything that your friend has, or do you want just that one thing? You can't pick and choose. If you want to be your friend, I'll make you your friend, but be careful because you probably don't really want to be him. You want to, you know, you want, you want his car, maybe. He has a nice Tesla, you'd like that. But you want to be you with the Tesla. You don't want to be him. So if you're willing to take the whole package, fine, then maybe we'll do that. But until you're willing to say, I want to take the entire package of my friend, then be very careful when you're giving other people that I, you know, wishing that what they have is yours, because you really don't, it's not fair to just pick and choose. It's a package. Life is a package. And it's true that some people are more successful. They have more money than you do. They have uh, maybe more fame and maybe more, uh, more vacations and stuff, but that's not really what you're striving for. You're in a different field altogether. So you have to just try to be happy in your own world. Be happy with what Hashem gave you. Be happy with who you are personally, your own growth, your own plans, your own future, your own family, your own kids, your own wife. And try to, if you want to get more, then fine. But don't look at other people jealously because you really, really don't want uh, to to go there because it's just it's a completely different world we don't know but we one thing we do know is that I don't want to be anybody else I want to be me I just I might want to have more but I don't want to be anybody else so be happy with who you are daven if you need more things you could daven for that but don't be jealous of other people be happy for other people and be happy for what you yourself have 
Wow, powerful, powerful, powerful explanation, Rabbi. Uh, I actually heard once that if everybody would throw their own baggage and problems into, into you know, uh, in, the, in the middle, and they were asked to choose, uh, you know, anyone else's or, or their own, everybody would be choosing their own uh, at the end of the day. You don't know the story behind the picture. Rabbi, beautiful, beautiful. We're, you, you quoted the Satmar Rebbe, and uh, by the Hasidim, they're very big into this. And uh, let's try to apply to all. Uh, the topic of emunat chachamim, having faith in our rabbis and our sages, often might, uh, people might feel that they can uh, make major life decisions on their own, but the Torah stresses the importance of seeking da Torah, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to the rabbis. So the question is as follows, Rabbi Bamberger, how do we overcome our ego and listen to da Torah, even if they disagree with our own opinion on a certain matter? And uh, Q, please also potentially uh, share a story to bring out this point of the importance of Das Torah. Das Torah. Sure. Um, another very challenging, you're picking a lot of good ones. These are all very <laughs> challenging uh, Kinyanim, and I guess that's why they're Kinyanim. To acquire something takes a lot of work. It's not a given. If we think it's too easy, it's probably not ours. We have to, so sometimes we have to struggle uh, to attain these things. Emunas uh, Chacham is one of the really difficult challenges that every Jew has because, like you said, we all feel, listen, I'm a big boy, I can make my own decisions, I don't need any rabbi telling me what to do, and, uh, and, and I, I bought my own house, I have a car, I have a job, I have, thank God I'm doing well on my own, I don't need anyone's, uh, anyone's intervention or anyone's advice. And the Torah tells us something very interesting, the Torah commands us it speaks about rabbis, the Torah. People think this thing about rabbis was made up by rabbis, probably. The Torah itself says that you're not supposed to veer away from what the rabbis tell you, from what the sages tell you, to the right or to the left. And the Gemara says, what does that mean, to the right or to the left? Even if the rabbis tell you that your right hand is your left hand, and that your left hand is your right hand, you should believe them. But you're thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. My mother told me that the, 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 the L is left, right? And the, and the other one is right. So how could that be that a rabbi is telling me that my left hand is my right hand, my right hand? It doesn't make sense. Like, come on, that's, that's a little bit, you know, impossible to, to believe that that's what's expected of me. Uh, I once wanted to say that there is a, uh, one of the, the commentators on Shulchan Aruch says something very fascinating. And it's a, it's when the first time you hear it, it's a little bit hard to understand, but he says that the Das of Balabatim, meaning the, the mindset of a regular non-rabbinic person, they're wonderful people, laymen are wonderful, but is the opposite of Datara, which means that don't assume that because you are are so capable in many fields in your life, that means that you have the understanding of what the Torah is, what the Torah would say about something. For that, you need to go to a rabbi because a lot of times we're, we're so into our worldly pursuits that the world sort of molded our brains to thinking in a way that's contrary to what the Torah is thinking. And when you go to a rabbi, and I don't know if it means every rabbi, you have to know that the rabbi is somebody that's really, but let's say you go to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, or you go to Rav Steinemann, these were people and are people that, are, that learned 80, 90, 100 years, Torah Lishma, 
day and night. They didn't do it for any fame, any fortune. They didn't have any major rabbinical positions. They just learned for the sake of learning. And what that means is that every idea that comes into their heads is what the Torah is saying. It's not in any way um, educated or influenced by what the New York Times is saying or by what the Wall Street Journal is saying or by what Yeshiva World News is saying. It's totally what the Torah is saying. So we might be very smart people. We might all be very wise. But if you want to know what the Torah has to say about something, for that you have to go to somebody that's a real chacham, somebody that like Rabbi Yosef. There aren't too many of those I know left, but you have to find people that are really, their minds are fully saturated with Torah. And whatever their knee-jerk reaction to to a question is, that's what the Torah says. And sometimes it's exactly the opposite of what we would be thinking. That's what I think Chazal mean when they say, even if they tell you your right hand is your left and your left hand is the right, meaning that's the way it is. You might, whatever they're telling you sounds exactly the opposite of the way you would think, but that's because their thinking, the Torah's way of thinking is different than the way that we normally think. It's the opposite. And so the left really is the right. The right is the left. It's just that we're so brainwashed by our own thinking that we think that we, we know what's right and left, but it's not really true. I want to share with you a, a, a beautiful story to show you how even great gedolim, forget about me and you, but great, or me, you're a gadol, but <laughs> me, um, you know, we have to listen to Das Torah, but how great tzaddikim themselves listen to other rabbis that are bigger than them. So listen to this amazing story. There is a, we all know Rav Chaim Kanievsky, you should live and be well, he's uh the Gadladar, he, he finishes the entire Torah every single year. He makes a siyam, uh, he makes a, you know, a conclusion. Of, what, of Kala Torah Kula, everything. Gemara and Medrash and Zohar and uh, everything that we, you know, if you have a big library, he finishes the whole library every year. He makes a siyam on Arab Pesach. When we make a siyam, if we're lucky, on one mesechta, on one tractate, he's making it on everything, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of paper pages. He knows it all in his head by heart. So he was a, a son of the Stipler gun. Stipler was also a tremendous tzaddik. Uh, he, died, uh, he died maybe 30 years ago. And he was uh, also known in his own way. He was very different than Reb Chaim. Reb Chaim is a much different personality. But he was the Gadol Hadar before Reb Chaim was the Gadol Hadar. And he used to learn, the Stipler and Reb Chaim, father and son, used to learn together every day B'chavruta. They had a, had a, a, a learning uh, partnership. And every day they would learn, let's say, a few hours a day. Now, one day in the morning before Reb Chaim came to learn with his father, the Stipler, Reb Chaim's sister, a daughter of the stipler, came and told her father that Chaim's not feeling well. Now, she meant her son-in-law, Chaim. She had a son-in-law by the name of Chaim, not her brother, Chaim. But the stipler understood naturally that she meant that, her, that his son's Chaim, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, wasn't feeling well. So Reb Chaim then, after she left, came into the room to learn with, with his father, and this was already Reb Chaim was married with children. He was already the Gadol Adar himself. But his father looks at him and he says, I want you to go home and go to sleep. Go into your bed. Because he thought he was sick. <laughs> so Reb Chaim didn't ask if it was me or you. He said, why? Why, do I have to, why are you sending me to bed? I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm married. I have a family. What are you sending me to bed? Reb Chaim completely 
listen to the Das Torah of his father. He goes home. He asks no questions. He gets into his bed and he starts, you know, trying to go to sleep, falling asleep in the middle of the day, in the middle of the morning, which is unheard of. Reb Chaim never sleeps. He learns and learns and learns. Anyway, the Rebetzin Kanievsky comes home, Reb Chaim's wife, sees him in bed, like she made a shechiona. She never saw that in, in her entire life. So she sees her husband in bed, especially not in the broad daylight. She says, Chaim, what's wrong? Everything okay? He says, yeah, my father told me to go to bed. And so uh, I'm in bed, I'm listening to Das Chachamim. She says, what do you mean told you to go to bed? Makes no sense. Says, I don't know. I don't know. I don't ask questions. My father told me to go to bed. He has Das I'm going to bed. So she says, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. She goes to the stipler. She goes to her father-in-law and she says, you know, Chaim's in bed. I don't, he says, yeah, I send him to bed. She says, why? He says, because he's very sick. She said, who told you that he's sick? He says, your, your sister-in-law, my daughter told me that. She says, really? So she goes to the sister, she finds out that it wasn't that Chaim, it was her, his, her son-in-law. She comes back to the stipler. She says, it's not that Chaim, it's your, it's, it's your grandson-in-law who's sick. He says, oh, then tell Chaim to come and, and learn with me. So, so she goes home and only after she told her, Chaim made sure that her, that his father had said that it's okay for him to come out of bed to learn with him, did he come out of bed? That's the that's what Das Torah is. Das Torah is like it makes no sense. It doesn't make it didn't make sense, but he's totally mevatel his das, which means he totally just surrenders his own mindset for the mindset of a gadol. And that's a very important kinyan of Torah because if we're if we're cynical about our rabbis and we're skeptical about our rabbis and we don't want to listen to them and we know better, then the whole chain of the Torah that we have from Sinai sort of gets very disrupted and very weakened. And we want it to stay strong. We want it to stay robust and chazak. And so that's why it's very important. And Munas Chacham is a staple of being able to prepare for Shavuot, to prepare for the receiving of the Torah, because that's what it was. Hashem gave the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu gave it to Yeshua, Yeshua gave it to the Zikainim, from one generation to the other, all, all the way till today. And if we break the chain of, of, from, of the rabbis from one to another, then what will our children have? Amazing. Rabbi Bamberi, unbelievable. What chizuk, what inspiration. Everybody has to make sure to have Make for yourself a rabbi and remove all the sfekot, all the questions off your mind. Uh, talking about such great rabbis, you mentioned Rav Steinman, you mentioned the stipler, you mentioned Rav Chaim Knievsky. Uh, the next Kenyan is pondering over what was learned. Uh, some people, they only learn something on a superficial level. What tips can uh, you, the rabbi uh, give us to help us ponder what we are learning and not just glance over it and move, move forward? Yeah, so it's first of all, it should be very well noted that any Torah that you learn is important. Whatever we're going to say about going deeper into learning, which is a thousand percent true and it's amazing, but that's not to say that if you can't go deeper, then you shouldn't learn at all. Everything, everything that you learn is very, very important, and it's it's priceless. Every word of Torah, the, the Vonagon says that you get a mitzvah of Talmud Torah for every single word that you learn. Every word. It's not like a, a day. It's not an hour. It's not a minute. It's a word. So if let's say we're having a conversation tonight uh, on this Zoom and we have, uh, and we, maybe we've spoken between the two of us, uh, 10,000 words, maybe more. 
So we already got 10,000 mitzvahs. Wow, amazing. And, and it's not just the, it's not just the regular mitzvah, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. The mitzvah of Talmud Torah is Kineget Kulam. So every word is 613 mitzvahs. Okay, so if you have 10,000 times 613, that's, I don't know, 6 million, 100, whatever, 13, whatever. It's a lot of mitzvahs. And it's interesting, the Chavitz Chaim used to say that if you learn Torah on Shabbos, then, and Shabbos is also one of those mitzvahs that are Keneged Kulam. So it's 613 times 613 for every word of Torah that you learn on Shabbos. Wow. And that's even a simple word. That's even just reading from a regular stone chumash or, or, or just taking a, you know, a medrash, a medrash says, and learning it. Anything that you do, any Torah that you learn, or if you're listening to a shir, or you're going to a, a lecture, whatever you're doing is so super valuable. You're becoming a billionaire every second of Torah that you're learning. That's something that we have to understand off the bat. Now, that's, we, that's so inspiring. Every word, time 613, it just goes on and on. And thousands of people that are, that are watching and being inspired, it's just such a ripple effect. Unbelievable. It's amazing. So if we have more time, and not only, we, we don't always have a lot of time. A lot of people are very busy making Parnassah. But if we have more time, the deeper that we go into analyzing anything that we've learned, not only is a, is a richer mitzvah, but it enriches our own love of Torah. Because if we learn something very superficially and we just get a surface glance at it, then it's great, but you don't really feel attached to it. It's sort of like a first date. You know, you, you, you get to know the girl a little bit, but you don't really get to know her. And the more that you're able to look deeper into it that's like another date another day another date you're getting to know the Torah much more deeper and and much more in a much more profound and personal manner and then the relationship between you and the Torah just becomes so much more beautiful and much more uh, special and and full of love and so whether it's learning dafyomi uh, which is an amazing thing, but sometimes it's a little superficial and you're able to learn a little bit extra tesis or you read some of the footnotes in the arts girl or you listen to an extra shear that's a little bit more eon if you have the extra time. It's much better, but it's not just better because, wow, now you know more. It's better because the more that you're able to dig beneath the surface of Torah, the more you're able to really see the beauty of the Torah. The, the beauty of the Torah is is felt the deeper that you submerge into the world of Torah. And that's why people that are studying Torah in, in Kololim, you know, they're, you, you wonder, what are they doing all day? Like, how can they learn a whole day? What, what, I can't, it's hard for me to learn for an hour. How are they learning uh, 18 hours a day? How do they do that? The answer is that they're in love with learning Torah. They're not doing it as a chore. Maybe we don't, we don't have that relationship yet with Torah, but people that really understand Torah and spend time with Torah and develop thoughts and thinking and, and pondering what the Torah is really saying, the more that you dig, the more that you'll end up loving the Torah. Wow. Powerful rabbi. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, talking about the loving Torah, uh, another Kenyan is, so learning in order to practice. Not just learning, but actually putting it into action. Uh, we hear amazing speeches and cheer them, and we read inspiring books. But quite often, we don't take the words to heart. 
and apply it to our lives? Can the rabbi lead us with the best way, uh, give us, you know, on the best way of applying our learning to practice, Rabbi Bamberger, please? Sure, sure. So the, the problem with going to Shirim and lectures, like you said, is that you're very inspired. Everybody like right away, oh, that was so inspiring. It was beautiful. I love it. You know, so moving. And that's, that's, that's an amazing reaction. The problem is that we then drive home or we turn off our Zoom and we go to sleep. And the next day, we're the exact same person that we were before the shiur. And that's always been a challenge for any person that participates in a shiur. And it's always been a challenge for every rabbi, Rosh Hashiva, Rebbe, Mashkiach, that are giving Torah over, that they want to change the other person and they want to change themselves. But it sometimes is very difficult to do. So the Ramban the famous Nachmanides, he has a commentary on Shira Shirim. And in his commentary on a, on a Pasuk, the Pasuk, the verse says, Im ta'iru ta'iru which literally means that if you, if you are inspired to love, until you want it, until you crave it, but the Ramban learns it in a very unique way. He says that the word chafetz means to want or to desire, but it also means, a chafetz means an object. It means like a chafetz, like in yeshiva we have a chafetz. A chafetz means the object, the object. So he says, if you are ever inspired by something and you want to really put it into action, what you should do is make it into a chafetz concretize it, do something practical right away. Don't like listen to it, say beautiful, and then just go to sleep. Try to really think of a way to bring that into your own personal life. A, a great example of this is the Chavitz Chaim. The Chavitz Chaim was the, the universally accepted Gadol Hadar. He died in 1933. He was about 100 years old. He changed Kal Yisrael. He wrote classical Svarim, Mishnah Bura, and the book on Lashon Hara about evil speech. He was the one that brought back to, to Klai Yisrael the awareness of how bad it is to speak Lashon Hara. He wrote countless amounts of books, and he went and gave countless speeches all over wherever he went, uh, you know, throughout Europe uh, to, to really motivate people to change. And he was unique. He was, he was the, he was Everybody agreed that he was a Galadar, whether you were Hasidish, whether you were Litvish, whether you were Sephardic, everyone agreed the Chavetz Chaim was unique, special, in a league of his own. So when he died, his primary student, Rebbe Chan Wasserman, said, what made the Chavetz Chaim so great? How did he get there? We all want to be great. How did the Chavetz Chaim do it? It's a very simple question. He was a human being like we are. And somehow he propelled himself to being the, the, the greatest of greats. How did he do it? So he said when he was a little child, he was with a chevra, he was with a group of friends when he was a very little kid. And it was, they were walking in, in the marketplace and there was a woman, a widow that was selling apples at a push cart, a very poor woman. And the, the, these boys were hungry. So they devised a very wicked plan. It's hard to imagine the Chavetz Chaim at all being any part of it. He was, he was very young. He didn't know any better. And they basically distracted her. They tipped some of the apples off the cart and they all grabbed an apple and ran home and they ate the apple. That was a, a few days later in Cheder, the Chavitz Chaim, this young Chavitz Chaim is sitting in class and his rabbi is giving a speech about how bad it is to steal. The Torah says you shouldn't steal. 
and a young Chavetz Chaim, all the other boys, oh, that's nice, you know, is there homework on this? Are we expected to, when's the test on the, you know, they, they, they didn't personalize it. They didn't realize that they had done something wrong. Chavetz Chaim ran home frantically after yeshiva and begged the mother, his mother, for a coin for how much it cost to buy an apple. And he ran to the market and he gave the woman that coin for that apple and he ran away. And the Rebbe Hanan says that's what the Chavetz Chaim was all about. The Chavetz Chaim didn't just learn something. The Chavetz Chaim immediately put whatever he learned into action. If he learned about Lashon Har and he saw that people weren't keeping Lashon Har, it wasn't just like, okay, that's you know unfortunate that everyone's not keeping Lashon Har. What am I supposed to do? I'm only one guy. Chavetz Chaim started saying, okay, I'm going to change Klal Yisrael. I'm going to write books about it. I'm going to give speeches about it. I'm going to I'm going to share this unique. Avera to the world and make sure that nobody violates it because it's so severe. And one man changed the world because he put into action whatever it was. When he learned about Shabbos, he changed the world. He strengthened Shabbos for the world. When he learned about Taras Mishpacha, he changed Taras Mishpacha for the world. Whatever, whatever he saw that needed fixing in Klai Yisrael, he didn't say, leave it to somebody else, let somebody else take care of it. It's not my problem. He went and rolled up his sleeves and did it himself. And this is, I think, the important thing of uh, how to be, inspiration is very nice, but it dissipates very, very quickly. It it just evaporates into thin air. Unless we go to a speech and hear something and then be macabre, accept upon ourselves to change in a very real way, it's not going to do it and nothing is going to happen. We're just going to be the same people again. So I'll give you an example. I gave a shear many, many years ago on um, on on, a, on Pesach, it was a topic of Pesach, and uh, it was on the topic of Dayenu, and it was really about you know the famous part of the Haggadah where we say how uh, if Hashem had done this for us and not done that, it would have been enough, and and I was giving a speech about what we learned from that and the importance of Hakaras Hatov, the importance of appreciating things, but not just saying thank you, mom and dad, for everything but saying specifically, like just like in the Haggadah, it breaks up every step of the way from Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, from leaving Egypt at Pesach, till Shavuos, which we're heading towards now. These 49 days are days that Hashem performed great miracles every day. He showed us uh, that he, he did the, the, the great Makkah's against Egypt, and then he took us out, and he gave, ultimately, he gave us the Torah, he gave us Shabbos, he gave us the Mon, all these things happened pretty much primarily during these days, and so we have to appreciate day by day how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu does for us, and, and by extension, we have to appreciate what our parents do for us, and what, what uh, you know, what, what, what our friends do for us, what Chazak does for us, how much do we owe you, Rabbi Yaniv, and, and all of your, your amazing staff and your brother and, and all the people involved, Rabbi and, and everybody? How much do we owe you? How many thousands of hours of Torah are learned by the lectures that you provide? How many, how many thousands of kids are, are in public school and you're able to find the wherewithal to bring them out of public school, send them to yeshiva, pay for it, uh, arrange for them to have tutoring and, and to catch up and be mainstreamed. You know, it's not enough just to say thank you for all you do. I have to tell you thank you for every little prop that you do. So a couple of weeks ago, I was supposed to speak for uh, Torah Anytime, and it was Chazak, and it was on Torah Anytime. It was actually me together with uh, Rabbi yeah, Eli sure. And it was uh, it was a wonderful uh, shear. 
that you arranged and uh and i didn't know what to speak about that morning that uh, that speech was going to take place i got an email from a uh a, a young married woman who said that she listened to that sheer that i'd given in 2017 on tour anytime and it was so inspiring to her that she sat down and she sent an email to her parents itemizing and she sent me a copy of the email and I read it on that share if anyone wants to refer to that share I'm not going to read it now I don't have it actually in front of me anyway but it was a beautiful letter it was like basically 30 lines if you would have just had me as a child and not and not you know fed me that would have been Dayeno if you had just fed me and not sent me to school it would have been Dayeno if you had sent me to school but you hadn't uh, given me all the encouragement and the love and the hugs and the kisses it would have been Dayeno and then she you know fast forward to seminary to marriage to children to grandchildren you know and she sent this to her parents and it was so inspiring to me that she didn't just hear the shir and say nice shir chazaku baruch she basically she went and she sat down and she sent a letter to her parents thanking them for every step of the way. That's what you should do. If you want to be able to be limit amanas lasas, if you want to learn on the, with the ability to do, you have to do. Learning is wonderful, but if we're not going to actualize what we're learning, it's sort of just a lesson in, uh, it's just a nice speech. A lot of people can give nice speeches. A lot of people can listen to nice speeches. And a lot of people can say, great speech, Rabbi. But how is it going to change us? The way that it has to change us the Ramban writes in his famous letter, every time you get up from a safer, every time you get up from a book, or we can extend it every time you listen to a speech, review what you just heard. Is there something that I could take from it personally and do it? Because if you take it personally and you do it, you're going to change. You're going to grow. You're going to be a different person. And that's the greatest way of actualizing Torah and to prepare for Mount Torah, there's no other way of doing it. You have to actually change. And change comes by not thinking about changing and not talking about changing, but changing. And that's the greatest way of listening to shirim. You don't, don't just listen to a shir, but act on a shir. You love the shir, you got something, you felt it was speaking to you. That's nice. Don't just say, Rabbi, that speech really spoke to me. That's nice. But what are you going to do about it? How's it going to change you? How's it going to change your marriage, your, your, your relationship with your children, your ability to uh, be a better member of the community, be a better person, have a close relationship to Hashem? What's it going to do? Figure out something that you could do concrete and be macabre on yourself, without a vow that this is what I want. I want to start learning tomorrow morning. I want to start davening with more kavana. I want to start being a better person, having better midas, giving more tzedakah, whatever, and do it. Write out that check. Don't just think about giving more tzedakah. Send the check to Chazak. Make sure that you're doing what you're, what you're just thinking about doing. And that's how we're going to be better Jews. Wow, Rabbi Bamberg, I got to tell you, such chizuk, such inspiration. On a personal level, so much we learned today that in Mitzvah with God's help, we're not just going to be learning, but we're going to make sure to take it into action as well. And all of us should do as well and, and take it upon ourselves to not just obviously learn, but to put into practice and we encourage everyone to forward this link to all your family and your friends, your neighbors. Let them all be inspired by the words of wisdom by uh, Rabbi Moshe Bamberger. Uh, unbelievable. Rabbi Bamberger, we bother you for one last message, one final thought. Sum it all up. There's so much information, so many fastballs that you throw at us. I wish we could go on and on and on. We only did five, Kimyanim. Imagine we did all 48. Okay, we did Rabbi all 48. I, I have time, by the way. <laughs> 
Mitzvah, we should do a series. Robbie, uh, I got to speak to the Chazak staff. We got to put something together. We should go through one by one. Very inspiring, very uplifting. But if there's one takeaway, Rabbi, that you can leave the audience, you kind of gave us a big takeaway right now, which is, you know, putting everything into action. And and and, and is there anything else you could add to it, Rabbi Bamberger? Yeah, I just want to add, you know, the importance of Jewish education. Uh, Jewish education is really what all of these Kenyane Hatera are all about. It starts with us, of course, we have to educate ourselves, but it really extends to how we educate our children. For those of us that are that are blessed already with children, um, these are Kenyanim that we have to teach the next generation. It's very important to teach our children to take criticism in a nice way. We have to learn how to give it to our children in a very sweet way, but we also have to learn how to teach them to, uh, to, to accept it in a loving way. We can't make it as an embarrassing thing that they're, they're being criticized. We have to show them that th- through criticism in the right way, a person can be able to find growth, how they should be happy with their chilek, get rid of the social media. Do not allow your children you know, on Instagram and all these things, because if you open them up to that, it's a door that really can almost never be closed again. Chinuch is so important during these days between Pesach and Shavuot. Uh, we have to work on all types of Kinani Atara, not just for ourselves, but for our children, for our families. We have to work on Emunas Chacham, teaching our children how to really respect rabbis, obey the rabbis. If, you, if they come home and they sit around the Shabbos table and you speak about the rabbis in a bad way and you say how, you know, the rabbi didn't speak well this Shabbos and I don't even know, you know, how he, uh, he didn't prepare or he said that same speech 30 times already. If, you, if the children are hearing that, then don't expect them later in life to have any respect for rabbis because it has to come from us. We're the ones that are teaching the children these Kenyanim of Torah. Uh, to show how we want to put things into action. We come home and we say, and they see us living Torah. They see us making new Kabbalot on ourselves, trying to be more religious, more serious about our davening, not talking during davening, not talking in shul. If our children see that, they're not going to want to do a talk in shul either. If they see us talking in shul and all we do is shush them during davening when they're talking, that ain't going to work. That's not the way chinuch works. Chinuch it has to be a personal example. Personal example. That's what chinuch is all about. And I just want to, I know I, I sound like, a, like you put me up to this, but when I think about chinuch, I think about Chazak, because Chazak really is the driving force in Queens and beyond, teaching us how to really spread the love of Torah to the youth, to the young people. And I don't mean just the public school children. I mean the young adults and beyond, people that are new to Torah. We're all children. We're all Hashem's children. And you are you and your team, your fabulous team, are really giving over the Masora that you have and you're giving it over in such a, a beautiful way and you're using technology and you're using the finest of, uh, of, of, of speakers and, uh, and, and, and posters and advertisements and, and periodicals, newspapers, magazines, whatever, all that you're doing just to spread the word of Torah. And it's very inspirational and I, you, you're owed, your whole team, uh, you know, if I was Zaycha to, to sit in the same ballpark with you and Elam Hamas, I think that would be a great schut. 
So, you know, you're on that side and you're interviewing me, but really I should be interviewing you and your whole team and trying to really glean from you how to be kind of Tyra, because you really are mastering the ability to share Tyra, to spread Tyra, to give a love of Tyra to the children, to the youth, to the young at heart amongst us all. And for that, I want to thank you personally. I want to be a Shlech Tzibar on behalf of the entire Jewish community in Queens and around the world. And uh, your owed tremendous, tremendous Akaras Thank you. Rabbi Bamberger, thank you very much for those kind words. And uh, it's not a monopoly. We encourage everyone to get involved with spreading Torah and, 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 and building Torah and organizing Shurim. Whoever is interested, please reach out. We're always ready, willing, and able. And, and, and I got to say, that was very inspiring, Rabbi Bamberger. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your readiness to spread Torah always whenever, uh, you know, we ask the Rav. He always makes it his, his, his time to, to, to give over Torah to the community and to the masses. And we really, really appreciate it. And uh, just to, to sum it all up is don't just count the days. Make the days count. Let's work on ourselves. Let's become better people. Uh, really appreciate it, Rabbi Bamberger, once again. Thank you very much. And looking forward to seeing you all. Bezat Hashem with the Biat God Tzedek, the complete redemption coming, spilling our days. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Rabbi. Be well. Thank Continue you. all your work. You're amazing.